Welcome to Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Each episode reveals the latest insights on today's consumers and offers a sneak peek of tomorrow's marketplace. Stop guessing what's next and start thinking ahead. Hello and welcome. This is Hannah, your host for this episode of Thinking Ahead, a GFK Insights podcast. Today, we're talking about the biggest buzzword and historic event of 2020. I know we've had a few, but I think you can guess the biggest one. I'm talking about the coronavirus. In past episodes, we've discussed specific topics about the virus, from behavior and lifestyle changes to the back-to-school season. In this episode, we are going to bring it all together for one full look at the 2020 timeline and how COVID-19 has shaped our, quote, new normal as both consumers and brands. Joining me to talk us through some of the biggest turning points is past guest Serena Girard. She is a research associate that has been working diligently on the GFK Consumer Pulse study for the past six and a half months through 12 different waves of the study. For those of you who don't know what the Consumer Pulse study is, um, we've talked about it in a few other episodes. It is a study that has been collecting data on everything COVID-19 related since March of this year. Welcome, Serena. Hi, Hannah. Thanks for having me. Of course. Now let's start at the very beginning of the timeline. It's February and news reports are rising about this new mysterious virus originating from a city in China. Now as coronavirus is identified and starts spreading across the world, health concerns begin to rise. What has been the evolution of these concerns? Do we feel the same about it now that we did back in March? I can both imagine it being lower because of a COVID fatigue, but also higher because of everything reopening. So March was such a scary time. Americans and people all over the world were trying to gather information. Businesses were starting to close. And at the start of our tracking in late March, coronavirus dominated the list of top concerns for three waves. It was in the fourth wave near the end of April that we saw coronavirus become a second concern to an economic crisis where it remained for eight consecutive waves. Eventually, near the end of tracking in September, we see coronavirus rise again as the top concern. And this re-upped concern may be due to multiple factors, but the biggest being news of a second wave surrounding reopenings and gatherings, as we've heard from several scientific communities. Additionally, over the waves, um, the early waves in particular from early April to mid-June, Exposure to coronavirus, either personally or knowing of someone, remained relatively stable, though in early July, numbers were starting to fluctuate significantly, and more people had said they knew of people that had been exposed or experienced symptoms. So we saw 21% in late June versus 26% in early July, and that 26% never really went back down. So... If we forward to the last week of July, personal exposure then started to go up significantly. We went from 9% in the middle of July to 13% in the last week of July. Now looking again, if we hit the end of August, we saw personal exposure significantly climb. And this time it went to 16%, which was our highest point of personal exposure in this tracking period. And it remained that way through the end of tracking. So overall, coronavirus and exposure to it has never really left Americans' worries over the past seven months. 
Wow, that is some pretty surprising numbers, especially thinking about when lockdown was and then when all of these percentages of exposures begin to increase. But I do remember it was around 4th of July that everything really started to reopen. So it does make sense. Oh, yeah. And we'll totally get into that in just a little bit. So uh, we're just going to keep on going down the timeline here. And uh, let's head from March when all of the media is rising into the end of end of March, beginning of April. And this is when all of the lockdowns begin to happen all over the world and people's businesses and the state of the economy is on the line. Now, when lockdown was originally two weeks, I don't think most people really saw a huge risk to the economy. But after two months of lockdowns and many states with capacity and operation restrictions to this day, how do consumers feel? What was interesting was in wave one, Americans had already made up their mind that the country's economy compared to 2019 was far worse. And this view would continue to be negative, eventually reaching its worst point in tracking over waves four at the end of April and five at the beginning of May. Um, And this showed a negative 52% difference between the economy being better and worse compared to the year before. Um, But despite this negative thought, we had a quarter of Americans holding on to an optimistic view that in the next 12 months, the economy would heal and, and things would be looking up. And this optimism was really held on to significantly by men and and people of higher education at first. Um, But by the second wave, the optimism overall started to erode to nearly a fifth of people with positive expectations for the economy and just over a third thinking that the outlook would be worse. So by the end of April, we finally could definitively see that the economic outlook remained pessimistic among Americans, and this view of the economic future continued all the way until wave 12. Finally, when we reach our last wave in wave 12 mid-September, the optimism was surprisingly starting to return in over a quarter of people for the first time since the first wave. And this restored optimism is now significant among 47% of people living in large cities, 39% of people with higher education, and 35% of men, to name a few. Um, And this could be for several reasons. Um, This could include reopening businesses, holiday intentions, and even our upcoming election in November. Now, just thinking about, you know, the economy and everything like that, my first thought is online shopping, which of course was already very popular before COVID-19. But what does it look like now? Early in the tracker until about mid-June, over a third of people were saying that one of their new habits during the pandemic was to purchase items online to avoid going to the physical store. So in weeks four and five, a third of people noted that before the lockdown, they were already using online shopping with home delivery to order consumer electronics and smartphones and entertainment products, to name a few. Um, Also before the pandemic, 61% of people used the grocery store for food shopping. But now, if we shift to look during the pandemic, Americans are still largely shopping in store for most of their needs. And another third have consistently shopped omni-channel and nearly a fifth have been shopping online. So what's interesting here is in the aftermath, we see a shift to digital. 
we will see online shopping stick around for shoppers in several categories like major home appliances, consumer electronics, and the like. But there's also going to be people who will stick with some type of online hybrid approach like click and collect um, as they seek ways to simplify this new normal. And the reason for this is because people have become exposed or, or more comfortable with this new shopping method and it's, it's, it has an impact on uh, convenience and it's just going to be expected to be a long lasting change across all categories. How has the expectations of online experience changed because of COVID-19? Because of people becoming more familiar with ordering products online, expectations have really gone up for online retailers. From weeks four through 10, we found that 43% of consumers expect online retailers to offer free home delivery, and over a third are looking for general delivery options or fast delivery options. And what's interesting is it doesn't stop there. The expectations actually stem all the way down to delivery service. And that's where we see another third hoping that the delivery person will not touch the items that were ordered with their bare hands and that they'll be wearing a face covering um, upon dropping the items at the door. But I also like to note that since there's also a heavy presence of people wanting to continue in-store shopping, it's also important to look at expectations for offline retailers as well. Um, and again, over weeks four through 10, we see 73% of people expecting hygiene protocols like options to disinfect hands and uh, baskets and that staff and customers are wearing their masks. And they also want to see that social distancing and mask wearing policies are in effect and being enforced while shopping in the store. So all in all, no matter where the consumer is shopping, they're expecting a changed experience and environment. Now, you touched on this a little bit in the health concerns and how it has, you know, increased as the virus continues to stick around. Um, but when we move down the timeline, you know, in the beginning, people think this is tem temporary, but as reality sets in, I think everyone now comes to the realization that this virus really isn't going anywhere. And aside from shopping behaviors in the economy, there's also our lifestyles to think about. And in this new normal, it has to be altered. You know, for months, people couldn't go down to their restaurant on Friday night. They couldn't head to that concert. They can't head to that concert most of the time still. Uh, so. Yeah, so just starting off thinking about those kind of lifestyle changes, how have we changed our habits when it comes to, say, entertainment options? Well, we have to reminisce a little bit of just jumping in the car with our friends or family or, or walking to any public event that was happening. So as you, you mentioned, our entertainment sources have clearly shifted as a result of the pandemic. From April to May, over 50% of people had stopped visiting restaurants, pubs, bars, and, and movie theaters. Um, we even saw large shops and shopping centers in general taking a hit during this time. Um, over half of people were still taking reduced trips to the grocery store throughout the pandemic, likely because you know it was one of the few places to be open throughout this time and everybody needs food. But um, as we neared the middle of the summer and until the end of tracking, 
we had witnessed some reopenings. Um, And what we saw was that people were going to restaurants again. It was more of a reduced habit instead of one that people had given up. And currently about a third of people have still given up going to movie theaters and crowded shows and concerts. And there's other entertainment areas where we started tracking. Um, For example, in wave 10 in August, we started taking a look at the return to sports. Um, and found that fans had the most desire to get back to watching the NFL. Over waves 10 through 12, sports fans were ambivalent about the reopening. So half of sports fans were eager to see the reopening of sports simply for diversion, and another half didn't support it over the fact that it could create unnecessary exposure to the virus. But in the aftermath of it all in wave 12, over a quarter of people noted that they were Uh, hopeful of visiting a restaurant to have a more normal dining out experience and nearly a fifth wanted to visit the homes of family and friends and go shopping for clothing in a store and over half of people ended up agreeing that attendance at live sporting events is appropriate if there's safety guidelines like reduction in stadium capacity and, and mandatory mask wearing in place. What about working from home? How is the reality that you know people such as you and me are currently sitting in our own homes working um, and it's probably you know going to continue for a little while longer how does that change people's outlooks and how they do their jobs right over the weeks we've seen more than half of people saying they're working from home and nearly two-thirds say that they like working from home and it really fits their lifestyle so they prefer it moving forward Um, But working from home, as we all know, does have its advantages and its disadvantages. Um, For example, overall, people are finding that nearly all work tasks tend to be easier while working from home, especially preparing for work and video conferencing. Um, But we still have a third of people saying that collaborating with coworkers Um, who they would have seen in the office and networking with connections in their organization has become much harder. Um, So I think it's going to take some time to perfect the remote model, but with company guidelines rolling out and looking at these sort of trailblazer companies that have been operating remotely for years, I think many companies have the potential to adapt to this type of work environment, Uh, though they will have to work on collaborations both in and outside of the organization and address those in a whole new way. It would be really interesting to see when you look at that one-third versus two-thirds where they live and what age group they're in because I wonder if that makes a huge difference. That could be true. I don't have numbers on that but I do wonder if it's like different between northeast and anywhere else in the world. Now, just thinking of other events that happened in 2020 thanks to COVID, I don't think anyone can forget the great shortage of toilet paper of 2020 that happened in the beginning. I I wonder, do essential household items still hold a huge importance and urgency to consumers? Now, about a quarter of Americans are still dealing with out-of-stock items and higher than normal prices, but overall, these instances are going down. We've seen fewer and fewer people having accidental trials of brands that they normally wouldn't buy. Um, And of that group that did have the accidental trials, a third say they're going to continue to buy those brands that they tried. Um, So that's a really positive thing for brands that may have otherwise not gained momentum in some households. 
Um, stock and availability will, of course, be something to keep an eye on, especially as we head into the next few uncertain months. But consumers generally do feel more comfortable now with, the, with how the supply chain's working. That's good, because when you couldn't find toilet paper, those were some dark days. Oh, really dark. <laughs> Now, during the lockdown, it was also in the middle of spring break season. Uh, some people made it on their vacations, but a lot of people didn't. Um, and the lockdowns also started to head into the summer season, which is another really popular time to travel. So how has COVID-19 affected the way we vacation? I think it was fact that COVID destroyed almost everyone's summer plans, mine and yours included. But Definitely. as you said, one thing that was major was how people decided to adapt. So just generally speaking, the, the staycation became more popular or going on local adventures became the highlight of our lives. Um, but as we adapted, so did travel companies. And it was all based on the comfort levels of consumers and their expectations surrounding how they imagined future travel and the added level of caution that plays into that. So to reimagine uncertainty played a role in the beginning because 50% of the population said that they will not make any plans until the situation is back to normal in the country. That is a pretty big number. And what's interesting is, of course, uh, that was also probably during the time when people didn't think that that would be ruining their summer vacations. So, you know, while people couldn't go far, you know, there is a need to de-stress, especially in a year like this one. So how are people really reimagining those vacations? Well, with not many people feeling safe on any type of vacation, uh, the majority noted that they will travel closer to home by personal car, so avoiding things like public transportation, you know, maybe planes, trains, and buses, um, and they're going to avoid crowded venues in cities. And for future transportation, our study found that Americans favor their personal cars more than any other method. As we moved into the summertime, particularly over waves 6 through 10 in June, July, and August, um, where people would have normally planned family vacations or getaways, we saw nearly half of people instead dreaming about their next vacations, saying that they were hopeful to spend money and travel as soon as they can. Um, but there was still a third who said that they wouldn't travel after the crisis, no matter the occasion. So in the first week of June, we started measuring what people expected from travel companies going forward. And consistently, we found that the top items people were looking for, um, they wanted to be provided, hand, provided with hand sanitizers. Um, they wanted travel companies to require masks in public areas and in some instances provide free masks for all guests and limit occupancy in certain areas. Um, so that would mean, you know, not letting too many people enter a public area at a time, like maybe a sitting area or a theme park or even cruises. Now, past summer, we head into fall, and that brings us to present day. And as we head into winter, we have the holiday season. So will consumers start to travel? Because now it's not just about vacations. There's also holiday gatherings to be thinking about. This year, many Americans will celebrate muted holidays. So from wave 12, we see that 37% of people say they have no plans to travel. And in hosting or celebrating at home, over two-thirds of people were most comfortable with gathering in small groups of five people or less. 
Um, of those who are planning to travel for the holidays, over half say that they're going to take their personal cars and just over a third will fly on planes. Wow. I mean, that is going to be quite a different holiday season than normal. That is for sure. Especially, I think Thanksgiving, the amount of people that people have for Thanksgiving, I mean, it's going to be really interesting this year. Yeah. (laughs) Now, also with the holiday season, um, there's, of course, buying presents. The holiday season is huge for retailers. Do we see a change in shopping behavior? Shopping behaviors, we don't expect to be muted. Um, they will be happening less in store and more online. And this is because we're seeing two-fifths of Americans planning to shop online, either through a general or retailer-specific app or website. Another quarter express interest in using online ordering with in-store pickup, and a fifth plan to use online ordering with curbside pickup. So there's many, many options online. That's great. Optimistic for the retailers. Now, I have one last question for you, and it's a pretty big one. You just gave us a lot of numbers, a lot of data, and really interesting information. So thinking ahead, what does it all mean for the future of businesses and their consumers? Sure, to pull it all together, COVID-19 has presented consumers and businesses with some of the biggest challenges they've ever had to face. We found that necessity is the mother of invention and companies everywhere had to recognize this as well. They suffered loss of business and had to adapt to reopening in a way that was foreign to everyone. But businesses and consumers everywhere have proved their resilience and their openness to trying new things during this time. Going forward, it's going to be more important than ever for businesses to continue to focus on listening to their, uh, their customers' needs and suggestions, continuing to monitor the market and keeping up with supply chain practices and trying to be one step ahead of the virus among us. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Serena. Now, if you're listening and you would like more information about what we've talked about here today, you can click the link in the description. Now, also, you may have noticed we did skip one big event in the COVID-19 timeline, and that was the back-to-school season in fall. If you want to hear more about that, you can listen to one of our past episodes. It's titled Going Back to School in the Age of COVID-19. Also, please remember to subscribe and review the podcast so that you never miss an episode. Thanks again, Serena. Thanks, Hannah. And now our closing segment, Listen to This, where we'll share some fun facts pulled from our studies across GFK. We know that with the pandemic still very much alive in the U.S., Americans plan to do more traveling by car and less on trains and airplanes. But is COVID-19 affecting consumers' car purchase plans? Listen to this. According to GFK Automobility, almost half of auto intenders, those who plan to buy or lease a new car, now say that the pandemic will have no impact on their purchase plans, while only 38% expect to delay buying. Those who are delaying, however, say that they will put off buying or leasing for a while. 64% of intenders are now anticipating delays of six months or more, up from 49% in March. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thinking Ahead. For more information on today's topic, click the link in the description. We'll see you next time so you can keep thinking ahead.